of want to thank everybody for joining us uh, for today's uh, podcast. It's episode number seven. It's our June 2022 podcast. And in this episode, we're going to focus on the topic of safety and its importance in the pharmaceutical and biotechnology industry. So we're going to look at some key factors contributing to selecting the right type of system to manage a pharmacovigilance process. Uh, and we're going to speak to some experts on this topic. So again, I want to welcome everybody to the Asterix Digital Transformation Podcast Series. Uh, This series presents interviews with thought leaders in the space uh, and experts focusing on helping you to develop successful strategies that we hope are going to transform your business. My name is Kevin Miller. I'm your host for today's podcast. I want to thank again everybody for joining us for today or everybody for downloading this podcast. And as we get into it, thank our speakers in advance for lending their great insights uh, into these uh, these very interesting topics. Uh, So what is the topic? So in this podcast, we're going to be sharing six important important considerations when selecting a safety system. Um, I'm going to be speaking with two experts uh, that we bring to the table on this important topic, and I'm going to start off by introducing each one of them individually. We'll say we'll have them say a few words and give them a little perspective, uh, and then we'll get into you know some of the Q&A on it. The first uh, person I'm going to introduce is Heather Adanolfi, who is a senior consultant at ResultWorks. Uh, Ms. Adanolfi assists clients with pharmacovigilance program development and optimization. Now, um, for those of you who are on and you probably know what it means, you're going to probably hear me substitute the term PV, so I don't have to say the full word of pharmacovigilance the entire time uh, as we go through today. So I'm probably going to replace PV with that, and don't worry, I vetted that with our experts and they said it's okay. So Heather, she brings uh, to today's conversation 10 years of experience in the pharmaceutical and informatics industries. As a senior consultant, she works closely with client and software vendor teams to drive uh, regulatory and safety safety management solutions. Uh, She pays particular attention to streamlining workflows and ensuring effective cross-functional communication. In addition to regulatory and safety, um, Heather has extensive experience in molecular biology techniques, uh, cell culture, drug discovery pipelines. Uh, These were in her prior roles, uh, which she managed biopharma laboratory informatics applications portfolio, which was at Thermo Fisher Scientific. Uh, and she led cell line generation projects at Bristol-Myers Squibbs. Now, while I don't know what half of that stuff means, Heather, of course, is an expert at it. Um, and Heather, welcome to our podcast. Thanks for joining us today to share your insights with uh, PV. Uh, to start things off, maybe if you don't mind, you could give us maybe a little additional context with respect to maybe result works, um, the focus of the organization relative to assisting folks uh, in, in the safety area. Sure, Kevin. Thanks. Um, So ResultWorks was founded over 18 years ago as a professional services organization, and we really have a mission to assist life science organizations to improve their operations through things like helping with their strategy development, their business process optimization. We also help with technical assessments, requirements definitions, data management, and data governance. Um, So our mission has really expanded to help these organizations achieve their digital transformation Um, of the business in various areas, and that includes pharmacovigilance. Um, So we're really helping those organizations from a strategic consulting perspective, which is a critical component to our pharma and biotech clients in the pharmacovigilance space to ensure patient safety as their number one priority. Um, Any digital transformation really requires that solid strategy and that plan to guarantee that the client's operations continue to run efficiently and effectively, but especially in the pharmacovigilance area. 
That's great. I appreciate that 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 insight, Heather. Um, it's always helpful to get a sense for you know where somebody's coming from, <clears throat> a little bit about the organization they're working with. Uh, and, and for those of you who don't know, um, you know, <clears throat> Result Works is an Asterix company. This is a company that came into into kind of the Asterix family uh, this year, and we're super excited to have. Um, wonderful folks that came over uh, such as Heather and, and the experience that, that she brings to the table. And speaking of experience, I'm going to uh, welcome to our conversation this afternoon, Alan Summer. Alan is Vice President of Pharmacovigilance Delivery Services at Asterix. Uh, he brings to his role um, over 20 years of experience throughout all phases of the product development lifecycle in pharmaceuticals. His industry experience began uh, as a lead architect and project manager for developing J&J's uh, E2B solution. And you're, you're welcome to tell us a little bit more about that, Alan, when you get to it. Uh, before joining Asterix, Mr. Summer uh, helped to lead Oracle's pharmaceutical consulting team, focusing on the AERS implementation. So more recently, um, he co-founded LS Works, which assisted companies with PV needs. Uh, and when LS Works, mer Works merged with November Research Group, Alan oversaw uh, their consulting services and PV projects. Uh, so again, Alan, thank you, obviously, for joining us for today's podcast, bringing your fresh insights uh, in today's conversation on safety, um, perhaps based on your, your own experience and prior roles um, and what you see happening in the industry today. Tell us a little bit about what you're planning for Asterix's new uh, PV practice. You might be on mute, Alan. Oh, come on. There we okay. go. We got you, Alan. There we go. Get rid of this ahead. wasn't working. No Thanks, worries. Kevin. I uh, appreciate the introduction. And, and this is a very timely conversation as it's an exciting time in the PV space because not only are there some new vendors that are developing systems, but also there's new technologies such as AI, ML, automation that can really improve a company's business response. And because of these, I, I see many companies evaluating their current system and their vendor to ensure that they're best positioned for the future. So I'm excited for our conversation today to discuss several considerations that a company should think through as part of this evaluation, as it's a big decision for, for any company. Regarding our new pharmacovigilance practice that we're forming here at Asterix, uh, we, aim to be a we aim to provide premier level service to our clients that will help them successfully implement, upgrade, and maintain their systems. We will be able to accomplish this with a team of very experienced PV consultants that will not only know the individual PV systems, but also very knowledgeable in the PV space. We'll be able to provide a team that can ensure all work streams in a project, including their project management, requirement definition, configuration, data migration, reporting, system testing, and go live, including system support. We also will be able to augment a client's existing team by providing individual contributors because as we all know, it, you know, and I consistently see that just one or two key people in, in the right position can really make a difference in a project. Now, Asterix has been offering similar services in their lab informatics space for over 25 years now. So we're not only going to leverage all of those years of experience, templates, and processes, but we're also going to build upon them based on my teams and, and my PV experience. Um, I appreciate that additional insight. 
site um, as well, Alan. Again, it's great to, to get a perspective of where folks are coming from and what they're doing within an organization. So, uh, so that'll wrap up for the the kind of the introductions and kind of the state of, of where everything's at within our organizations and your roles. And let's get into the topic itself. So I'm going to pose a couple of questions. Um, I'll play uh, the the game show host, so to speak, here, and, and probably you know uh, ask each one of you uh, you know specifically to answer. Um, but again, let's get into it. Given industry-wide interest in digital transformation, there's certainly a lot of that across many industries, but certainly in, in this space. Um, what would you say are the best ways for an organization to approach the planning of the future state of their PV system? Now, specifically, if an organization is in the pursuit of a new system to handle their unique set of, let's say, organizational needs in this area, um, what might be the best ways for them to leverage their current requirements uh, when planning that future system? So, Alan, uh, maybe you can give me your thoughts on that. Yeah, Kevin. Um, I mean, the key phrase in your question is that unique organizational needs. It, to ensure that a company gets what they need for their unique situation, the PV leaders need to take time to clearly define the functionality that they're looking for in a system. They can't just use their existing set of requirements, but rather they should leverage them to develop what their future system requirements need to be. They should you know, assess them to see if the required functionality is current, as well as identify new functionality due to regulatory requirements, such as uh, IDMP, E2BR3, as well as take some time to take into consideration any new technologies that are out there. It, keep in mind that, that these are the organizational requirements that will not only be used for the vendor capabilities assessment, but also you're going to use these requirements later on as the basis for your requirements for your system or user testing. So any time that you spend now on this activity will not only have that immediate benefit in regards to evaluating the vendors, but will also have the benefits during the implementation. Great. Um, great insight, and I really, really appreciate it. And that is, that's obviously very critical. Um, it's a step that maybe some folks don't always pay as much attention to, but but they should. Um, Heather, what do you, what are your take on that? Yeah. Um, so to emphasize kind of what Alan was saying, um, a lot of the leaders in this space have a really good handle on their current state requirements, but need to take that a step farther and look at what you really want your system to be in the future. Um, and if you think about that, there's a lot of things going on in the emerging technology space that need to be considered. So you want to look at things like AI, ML, natural language generation, predictive analytics, automations, things that can make your life more simple as you move towards that future state vision. And they may not be something that you're implementing today, um, or you might have some of it, but not all of it. Um, and you want to be looking towards what you can do in that space in the near future to really ensure that optimized digital transformation that most organizations are looking for. That's a great point. And yeah, definitely, um, you know, as you're going through a technology implementation, uh, we've talked about this in some of our other podcasts as well. You kind of have to have one eye on what you're working on and what you're trying to accomplish uh, today. And then you have to have kind of your other eye on some of the emerging tech. Uh, so that you make sure you're at least putting a foundation in place that's going to accept some of that technology, especially on the analytics side of the fence, predictive analytics and the AI technology that's coming down the pipe. Um, so good stuff there. Okay, cool. So um, another important area to discuss, this will be kind of an, a, a new question. Um, this will be relative to a system 
evaluation um, and the cost. You both have experience advising uh, PV leaders when they're comparing multiple vendors' proposed systems. You know, what do you what do you recommend when one or more of the solutions is at a much much higher cost um, than the other one, Alan? Alan, I think I just unmuted you. I did. Um, let, let me grab your take on that first, Alan, if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely, Kevin. I mean, as you said, it's it's very common for uh, vendors, for their license, implementation costs to have significant differences from one vendor to, to another. Um, and, and the things that I always stress to companies is that they shouldn't just discard a system just because of its initial cost. You need to keep in mind that when vendors submit their RFP, the cost that they provide is is only a starting point and has a lot of assumptions built into it, right? And as part of the selection process, vendors can uh, confirm or modify their assumptions and then adjust their cost accordingly. In addition, another factor um, that contributes to that cost difference is that it's common that, that one vendor will include a particular item, maybe multiple integrations or report developments, while another vendor doesn't include that and, and adds that and views that as, as add-on work, additional cost. So in, in general, I would recommend that if a vendor satisfies most of your requirements, you should still consider them in your demonstrations and work out the cost after you've had that discussion and, and seen the demos. And always keep in mind that you know, when you approach a vendor and, and let them know that their cost uh, is, is significantly more than another's, they're typically open to negotiating so that they can be competitive. That's great. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, I've had that experience myself uh, in, in a few technology implementations and uh, expect them to be op- open to that, hopefully. Heather, how about you? What, what are your thoughts on that? Sure. And my thoughts are right in line with Alan's. I think, you know, first of all, like you said, price can always be negotiated. And if you're looking at that RFP and then you're going for that, the demonstration, you you might see modules or capabilities from a particular vendor that uh, fulfill your requirements in a more elegant way than you had thought they would, or they might add additional functions that were not originally considered important. Um, and also the vendor might have made some assumptions in their initial pricing that really might not be accurate. So it is worth a discussion coming back to that. And as Alan said, um, vendors are usually open to that negotiation. Great. And uh, especially on the 32nd of a month, right? So that's, that's when, (laughs) that's when you, you're going to get, get the best negotiation tactics Um, or the last day of a quarter. So, and I'm sure you've both been involved with that. So, and you've both obviously assisted uh, many organizations with their vendor selection process, Uh, you know, in those situations, um, how important is it for the client to have kind of a clear use case uh, or scenarios in mind that the vendor can, can demonstrate Uh, maybe, maybe expand on that a little bit. What are some of the ways that PV executives can improve these scenarios to enhance the clarity of their definition to ensure that the vendors meet their needs. Um, Heather, what do, you, what do you think? Sure, that's a great question. So when we go into these demonstrations and being able to evaluate vendor capabilities, it's very important to have use cases defined for the vendors to follow. Um, and that really makes sure that you're evaluating vendors and the same capabilities, apples to apples, so to speak. Um, it also makes sure that your organization is getting to look at what they need to understand. Um, And it also helps the vendors stick to a schedule. 
So at this stage in the process, you might not be able to see all the bells and whistles um, that come along with a particular solution, but it does mean that you will get to focus on what the make or break items are. So you really want to be looking at those capabilities that you feel are the must-haves in order for your organization to reach that future state vision. Excellent. Um, great, great perspective on that. Alan, I'm sure you got, I'm sure you got some thoughts on that too. If you, if you want to chime in, that'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, Heather covered a lot of the key points here. And, and as she mentioned, use cases uh, for the vendors ensures that you kind of get a standard evaluation and that all your make or break items are covered. Um, another key point is you want to draft a very clear demo agenda with the use cases. Um, you don't want to let the vendor pick and choose what they want to show in the order that they want to show it because they're going to focus on the items that they think uh, will wow or impress you the most. So taking the time to develop those use cases and scenarios that clearly define what's important for the vendor to demonstrate is going to be critical. Of course, after seeing all those defined requirements, if uh, there's time to see the additional unique capabilities that the vendor can provide, then definitely you know use that time for that. Um, new approaches or technologies that are presented can always be added to your requirements, especially if they're going to have and make a, a major impact to your organization. That's a, that's an interesting point you brought up, especially about the time piece. So let, let's actually zero in on that, if you don't mind, um, regarding the amount of time for demonstrations. You both have, obviously, uh, experience in this area. Is there advice that you can give to a, to an ex, a PV executive or, or someone that's running an evaluation or maybe running an evaluation and they're under maybe really tight deadlines? Um, you know, how much time do you want to allocate um, for demos? Is it, is it a one hour thing? Is it a one day thing? Is there going to be multiple uh, demos, et cetera? Um, you know, give us a sense of, of how you'd manage that. Yeah, absolutely, Kevin. I mean, my, my advice on this key point is, is don't shortchange the vendor on the time for their demo. Right? Too often, there's not enough time is provided to the vendor to demonstrate how the system's going to meet all of the organization requirements, as well as, you know, to review the implementation strategy and the timeline that the vendor is proposing. Um, you know, this can take anywhere from a, a day to two days um, to really get a full-fledged understanding of the systems. And what you don't want to do is, is make a decision when you haven't fully covered all of your requirements and possibly some of the other unique capabilities that the vendor can provide. Um, you know, because you want to make sure that you're going to provide the, the best solution for your PV department because you're going to be with this system for, for many years to come. And, you know, keep in mind that while it may not be planned, you can always set up additional sessions with the vendors to complete demonstrating the requirements. Uh, once again, it, it may not be ideal, um, but it is something that you, uh, you know, should take into consideration. Great. I appreciate that for sure. How about, how about you, Heather? Oh, I completely agree with Alan. Yeah, leaders need to make sure that there's enough time allocated, not only to the demonstration process, but also planning time in for Q&A. Um, a lot of questions come up as a vendor will demonstrate their solution. 
you want to make sure you're looking at those questions, asking them when they make sense. But you might also want to include a chunk of time for Q&A towards the end when other thoughts kind of pop into people's heads. Um, you also want to make sure that you've got some time for a debrief with your colleagues. Um, you know, if, if you're on a day long demo or a two day long demo, there's a lot of information coming in. So you want to make sure you take that time to really understand the feedback from all of your participants. It's extremely important to the evaluation process and ultimately to your selection. Great. Uh, and that, that, that actually brings up a question and certainly something um, I think we've all dealt with in any kind of a software uh, evaluation is, is you know, bias during the selection process. You're going to have a lot of people looking at technology, a lot of people kind of chiming in on, on what they want or what they think. Uh, is the best solution. Um, how do you manage that? You know, and bias isn't necessarily a bad word in this case. It really is just people coming in with what they think is most important, which vendor they like the most, which feature function they think that they need the most, et cetera. Everybody's going to kind of bring their own silverware to the table. H how do you manage that to make sure it stays on track with the bigger, um, the bigger picture goal, Heather? How would, how would you manage that? Yeah, sure. Um, that comes up all the time. So I would recommend developing a scorecard. So just like we're giving the vendors a use case, a set of use cases to follow, we also want to give all the particular participants who are listening something to score against those use cases so you can again compare apples to apples um, you want to make sure that your participants are understanding the scoring system and what's expected of them and that way you're able to standardize the information you're getting back and make sure that everyone on your team has a level playing field throughout the process yeah and i think that's an area where outside help is super important because there's no way in the world I would know how to develop a scorecard ever. Um, Alan, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean as Heather said, it, it definitely uh, creating a scorecard is going to be really important to making sure that you have a, a, a evaluation of, of the vendor at the end of the demos and you're not just relying on, on your memory. Uh, moreover, you shouldn't let evaluators just share feedback or scores with each other because what I see is that people get influenced and will change their evaluation because they want to be more in line with, with their peers. So you want to get everyone's non-biased opinion that's not influenced by others around them. Um, and, and always keep in mind, um, you want to keep the vendor um, separate separated. Um, because they're always going to try to influence the participants, uh, get additional information from them, anything that they can do to get a leg up on the competition. That's great. I appreciate that um, feedback, certainly. Um, so let, let's, let's kind of wrap up with um, a couple of things here. So first off, what advice would you provide um, PV executives who want to ensure that their vendor selection process it stays on track, especially when it comes to their to their leadership or their or their steering committees. Um, Alan, I'll let you kind of continue on with that line of thought and and provide us your answer to that one. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. Great question. Um, it, you know, as you can imagine, it's critical to include the leadership uh, steering committee members throughout the process, keeping them informed of your progress um, of, of any challenges that you may have. Um, you also want to keep them aware of the decisions that the team is making, and most importantly, don't hesitate to bring them into your key meetings. Uh, that maybe their input or, or uh, decision making could really assist. Uh, too often, I, I find ten minutes of their time can save the team hours of discussions. Awesome, and uh, and Heather, your thoughts on that? 
Yeah, completely agree with Alan. You don't want to get their thoughts or advice after the fact. You really want to keep them as part of your feedback loop and and get their advice and get some direction from your executives. Um, they're helping to lead this project as well. That's great. Um, and great, great insight, great thoughts on that. I, I want to obviously thank both of you, first and foremost, for uh, an excellent session with a lot of detail. We touched on only a few of the key topics associated with the PV system selection, uh, as well as the digital transformation side. But I'm confident that the folks that, that listen in on this today are going to walk away with some actionable advice that they can use uh, to help them make um, uh, better choices or just or run a better evaluation or a better project. So again, um, Alan, Heather, thank you both for joining us in the podcast today. Uh, I'd like to, as I always do, uh, give you both a chance to leave us with some final thoughts. I'll flip a coin, and Alan, you won, so you you go ahead and go first, and then we'll wrap up with Heather. Uh, Thanks, Kevin. Always call heads. Um, Selecting selecting a new system, it's a big decision that companies have to live with for, for many years. And as you said, there there's several factors and considerations that you know can impact the success of the the, the selection process. We've talked through a, a few of them today uh, at Asterix and throughout my career. We've advised companies and led selection processes, leveraging the topics we discussed today, as well as uh, many others that we've accrued throughout our years of experience. Uh, I truly hope that. You know, people find this discussion helpful, especially in uh, today's market. And please feel free to reach out to to me for further discussion on any questions about this topic or, or anything PV related. Um, Kevin, thank you for for moderating this session, and and Heather, it was great to participate alongside you. Hey, thanks, Alan. Great to participate alongside you as well. Um, no, great session. I I think you kind of wrapped it all up there. I think we covered all the key areas that. It, organization would need to consider as they look for their next solution. So thank you again, Kevin, for bringing us along on this ride. It was my pleasure. And, um, and again, for everybody who's downloaded or listening to today's podcast, thank you uh, for your time. It's, it's, it's a podcast that is certainly growing in popularity and growing in, in downloads each month. We're covering lots of different topics. Um, today's obviously was a, was one that a lot of <clears throat> companies are, are wrestling with. So I, I know there'll be some value and I know some folks will walk away from today probably with a few hmm, or aha moments. And, and if you do, um, you know, the, the asterisks and result works are great organizations to reach out to uh, and get some help. Um, again, uh, stay tuned for, uh, you know, more podcasts coming in our series. Um, as well as a wealth of other great resources uh, on both the Asterix and ResultWorks websites. Uh, Heather, thank you. Alan, thank you for joining us for today. The podcast for this week is now wrapped up and we will go ahead and call it a day. Thank you very much.